Everything you learn on your journey, you use in some capacity. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. A lot of small beginnings lead you to that epic empire that you talk about. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. This is the place where we chase purpose, not money. I'm your host, Patrice Washington, and you can find out more about me at patricewashington.com. But I am so excited to introduce you to our first guest of season six of the podcast, no other than the incomparable Yolanda Adams. And she is here to share with us her amazing journey of pivoting from a school teacher to being a gospel phenom, someone we all know and love and someone who has helped many of us get through some of our hard times in life. So before we get into Yolanda Adams' episode, let's do the affirmation of the week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is I speak life into every situation I encounter. I look for the lesson and the blessing in every situation. Things may not always go my way, but I understand that my attitude determines my outcome. My words are powerful, and I make a conscious effort to be impeccable with my word choice. I understand that what I verbalize, I magnify and magnetize in my life. I never dwell on the negative aspects of any particular occurrence, but rather strive to find the silver lining in all things. I speak life into every situation I encounter. Named Billboard Magazine Gospel Artist of the Last Decade, Yolanda Adams is a five-time Grammy Award-winning gospel artist whose music heals, encourages, and inspires others to trust more than themselves. Triumphantly carrying the torch for contemporary gospel and inspirational music via 13 glorious albums, many of which I love, this school teacher turned music mogul has been a stately beacon of God's light as her blend of modern gospel and R&B infused with a touch of jazz, continues to inspire her fans and transform the musical landscape. But that's not all. Yolanda Adams is a woman of many hats, a recipient of numerous accolades. She's also a philanthropist, an entrepreneur, author, and the host of the Yolanda Adams Morning Show, currently heard on radio stations across the country. Without further ado, welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Auntie. Thank you so much for having me. We finally made it, right? <laughs> we finally made it. You are probably one of the only people I have been this persistent about. I'm like, you know what? Auntie Busy, I'm watching Auntie saying her face off on this show, but I'm going to give her a couple more weeks before <laughs> I text her again. Now, <laughs> I have been looking forward to this. You were on my short list for the Redefining Wealth podcast when it launched in 2017. Wow. And the reason, 
And I, I didn't really have a connection with you at all then. I think I ended up actually meeting you after the fact. But the reason why you were is because when I was doing my original list of folks that I, I would love to have on the podcast, I thought about what it would look like to get people who had inspired me or mentored me in some form or fashion, even if it was from a distance. Mm -hmm. And I originally met you when I was probably like 20 years old. So yes. 20 years ago, I met you when I was about 19 or 20 when I worked on the Steve Harvey show. That's and right. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this though. That was so long ago. It was long ago, but you yeah. were always so kind, that beautiful smile, you know, just handling your business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so gorgeous. I hope she knows what she's about to bring to the world, you know? And I, I never like really intrude on people. And then, you know, when we started working with uh, Disney Dreamers together, Mm -hmm. And I was so impacted by your speech to the young ladies. I went out and bought the books and all kinds of stuff because, yeah, you inspire generations of young people and people like myself who, you know, I'm, I'm above you, <laughs> a lot above you as far as age is concerned. But um, to you, you inspire us to not just look at what's in front of us. Because your testimony about going to school, having it all, and you know losing it, and then getting it again, and and you, yes. you show yeah you show how you can start over, and that whatever is in front of you, like you know, what if it doesn't look like what you thought it was? There's still time for you to turn that thing around, and your turnaround was just. It was phenomenal to me. And I was like, okay, let me find out what, what she did in that interim. Because I'm always interested in how, because there are a lot of people who started out like you, did, you know, did their mm -hmm. thing and then they lost it and then they lost it. And then they lost it. Yeah. Yes. But what kept you going was was my interest. I'm like, wow, what kept her going? What What made her know that, you know, today is not the last day of the rest of your life. As a matter yeah. of fact, it's the best day of the rest of your life. So I'm a fan. And so I'm glad we're here. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm blushing. If, if brown girls can blush, I'm definitely blushing. I had no idea that you remembered. I, I had like, I just, now I really want to cry. Oh. I had no idea that you even remembered me from back then. Because mm -hmm. what I wanted to tell you is that I remembered how kind and genuine you were. And I remember feeling like that is the presence that I want to have when I go out and meet people. And I was like 20 years old and I would never forget it. And you're tall and you got the cheekbones <laughs> and, and, and the eyes and, and looking at you show up with such grace and such poise and such a presence. You, for me at that time, were such a big example of what like I could be like because I had never really encountered anyone like you up until that point. And it was just from watching you here and there, like if you came to do something or, you know, a live event or something like that. I'm like, wow, look at this woman, look at her presence. And so you don't know how much you like the seeds that you planted 
And so even today, when I walk into spaces and someone says to me, like, you carry yourself with such a presence, you're tall, but you're not afraid to wear heels. <laughs> you know, you're not afraid to like take up space. You know, when I see you, I always say a silent thank you for like, I got that from from Auntie Londa. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> to you me, so much. 20 years later, for you to even know my story or know what I'm up to in the world. Oh my gosh. I'm humbled. Oh, you're so precious. But here's the thing. You know, God always gives me special people to pray for. You know, it's not an announcement or anything like that, but you know, it's always you know, help, help them guide their way, you know, let them know that what they're doing is purposeful. There's an R&B singer. Well, there are a couple of R&B singers, guys and girls that, uh, you know, I, I was led to pray for, and I pray for them all the time. They're business people like yourself Mm -hmm. that I pray for all the time especially during this time of uncertainty and having to refocus and, you know, mm-hmm. re, you know, redirect and things like that, because, you know, you, you never know. We all have that same thing in our minds. Okay. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? And so, and I never, you know, like I said, never make a big announcement, but always know you, you are in my prayers. You know, of course, you, you know, I love your husband as well. He's like, <laughs> nephew. And so, you know, seeing you both navigate these trying, you know, navigate these waters, it's it's amazing. Oh my goodness. Oh, I, I have to let Gerald know he's gonna be so pumped up. Oh Lord. <laughs> like she mentioned you too, friend. No. <laughs> so I am so curious about your journey because mm-hmm. it it sounds like it's been a phenomenal story. And of course, every story comes with highs and lows. Yes. But In this audience, there are so many people who are looking to really embrace their purpose, like really figure out what did God give me to do? And you have one of the ultimate pivots, how you went from being a school teacher to being (laughs) who you are today. What was that life like when you were a school teacher? Did you feel fulfilled at that time or was there a nagging that you should be doing more? Well, here's how I got to the teaching. We have to go back to college days. My first degree is in radio TV journalism. That's where the radio show and all of that comes from. And so I was hired by our CBS affiliate here in Houston during college. You know, you get the internship and then all of a sudden you get the actual job and stuff. And so, you know, two weeks after I got the job, all of a sudden they're like, uh, we're, we're being bought out by another corporation. So uh, you guys are going to have to like, see you later. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> mind you, I had already, you know, some of the things that you tell us not to do in your book, I had already planned out my money and I had, I, I went and bought a Firebird with T-tops on it, you know. And oh, you were ready. <laughs> oh, I was ready, ready. Wait a minute. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, okay. Two weeks. Uh, okay. I have the 401k. I can do a little bit on that. I'm like, but ooh, I don't want to touch that. And so my godmother said, well, you know, you can sub at our school. I went to meet the principal. The principal was amazing. And she had a long-term substitute position in the second grade. 
And I met some of the kids, you know, they had a substitute teacher in there, but I met some of the kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're amazing. You know, being the oldest of six kids, you already know how to navigate uh, different personalities and stuff. And so after I met the kids, I went back into the principal's office. She said, hey, it's your job if you want it. And I'm like, wow, I really do want to do this. And then a couple of weeks after that, she said, you know, I think you should go back and uh, get your teaching certificate. And, and of course, you know, me overachiever. I'm like, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to get my education degree. <laughs> so that's how all of that happened. But here's the thing. I've been singing all my life. So while I was in college, high school, all of those things, I was still singing on the weekends. And so teaching actually gave me the best of both worlds. I can teach during the week, go on the weekends, you know, have two or three different uh, sources of income there and then come back to my kids, you know, and then that uh, teaching part of me was fulfilled as well. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it got so that I couldn't get back on Mondays on time. And my principal was like, uh, you know, I love you, but you got to figure <laughs> out what you're going to do with your life. <laughs> Like, okay. <laughs> and so that's how I went into full-time music in 1990. So how long had you been teaching before that happened? Seven years. <gasps> seven, years. seven years. Yes. Yes. And then yes. it was like, no more straddling the fence. No more straddling the fence. You got to make up your mind. You got to keep your focus, you know, because uh, I... I'm one of those people like I can multitask and make it look like it's seamless and uh, have a jug of coffee and, <laughs> and a gallon of water with me, you know, traveling everywhere. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, ma'am. No, you can't do that. And so it, it gave me a chance to focus on my writing mm -hmm. as far as my songwriting was concerned. And so, yeah, that's how we get to today. Wow. So at the time, so this was seven years of that. So yes. were you already very recognizable? Like, did people realize that, okay, this just what she do on the weekend. She's actually a teacher. Or did, did people even know that you were doing both? Some people knew I was doing both. Some of the promoters definitely knew I was doing both because they had to get me back home either Sunday night or early, early Monday morning. But most people thought that I did one or the other. You know, most people in the church are like, oh, she sings. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, unless, you know, it, it was read in my bio. Uh, and, wow. you know, a lot, of time, a lot of times people didn't know, you know, and, and a lot of times folks uh, from the church didn't know I had degrees. So, you know, they, they would, I can say this, you know, because you're my niece, you know, they would talk <laughs> down to you. Oh, and you need to do so and so and so and so. And I'm like, okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's already a thing, friend. <laughs> Thank you so much. That that reminds me of, you know, when I had my daughter, I was in the hospital. You know, I had her prematurely and I had been in the hospital for several weeks and I looked really young, but I was 26. And the nurse came in and she said, I just been thinking about you. The Lord put on my heart. Now, first of all, you know, the Lord don't put everything on every because the Lord couldn't have told you this, but she came in. Now. And she said, the Lord put on her heart that I still had my whole life ahead of me and that I could still like do something with my life. And I was like, uh, she was like, you could go back to school. And I'm like, 
oh, I think she thinks I'm a child. <laughs> I think she thinks I'm a child. I said, well, um, I, I went to USC. I already have a degree. Like I just, she's like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm like, girl, I have a whole house, a whole, a whole a man, whole, a whole, whole a whole, whole cars. I didn't paid off my mama's debt. Like, but I thought it was so funny, you know, that, that we make assumptions and then we, you know, want to say, thus saith the Lord. But anywho, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, but haven't you noticed that it's mostly assumptions about us as women? Oh, yes. It's never about God. Oh, yes. All the things, you know, it's Not, funny. You know for those uh, fellas, we love, we love y'all. We, we need y'all. But mm-hmm. there, there is a dichotomy when it comes to the way that we're treated as businesswomen and the way you guys are treated as businessmen. Oh, yeah. You know, Gerald and I have talked about that, where people will say things to me or they make assumptions that, you know, Gerald, quote unquote, built everything that I do. And I'm like, well, Gerald don't write books now. Okay. <laughs> Gerald ain't, ain't wrote now word. <laughs> you know, I love him to pieces, but he don't crack near Mike. Right. Like, this, like all of these things were what I felt led to do because the Holy Spirit led me here. But yes. people will talk to me as if, I, you know, it all came through Gerald and he's been so helpful. As, and you know him. He's yeah. he's a brain. Yeah. He's a brain. But the assumptions that are made. Right. Mm-hmm. So as your career has continued to grow, do you feel like people made assumptions about what was possible? Because I know you've you veered off now. So you're not just Yolanda artist, Yolanda Adams, excuse me, the gospel artist. You're an entrepreneur, which by the way, this is, I got my, I got my, my bracelet on here. You're, you're an entrepreneur. Can you talk to us about how your career has evolved? And was there any, any hesitation for you as you launched off into these different arenas? Well, I've already explained how I got into the music industry. I have to give mad props to my mom and my dad, my grandmother, grandfather. They were like my wonderful foundation when it came to all things finance, all things business, those things that a lot of folks weren't teaching at the time. My dad was a, an entrepreneur as well, but he was a coach. And so he coached his track team and football team. And, you know, in middle school, uh, before you get to high school, most coaches do more than one sport. And so my dad also did Amway. And so when he was doing the Amway, I was sitting right there with him, helping him with the orders and everything. And so my dad would teach me great nuggets of, you know, having more than one stream of income just in case, you know, you have to, you know, pivot. Mm-hmm. And of course, I know the pivoting had to do with the sports and stuff like that. And then also, you know, he was adamant about me knowing the difference between a credit, a debit, you know, how mm-hmm. to pay the bills and do that. And I'm like nine and 10 years old. So I have that wonderful foundation. And so it wasn't odd for me once I had the name to mm-hmm. go into things that I absolutely love to do, you know, like clothing and bath and body, health and wellness, inspiration. All of those things came as a result of things that I absolutely loved already in my life. Mm-hmm. And my suggestion to anyone who's on here who feels that they're not fulfilled right now in what they're doing, 
do what you can right now so you can do what you want to do later. Every other month, I attend a Super Friends brunch where we talk about everything from purpose to pursuing new dreams and even menopause. Yep, you heard me, menopause, because if you're over 40 and your girlfriends don't keep it real, I don't know what to tell you. But we have these important conversations because how can we redefine wealth if we're not keeping up with our hormonal health? Now, we discovered Happy Mammoth. It's the company that created Hormone Harmony, and it's dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for us. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. Hormone Harmony contains herbal extracts called aptogens that help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally. And any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take Hormone Harmony. It's perfect for hot flashes, night sweats, menopause-related brain fog, sleeplessness, occasional bloating and gas. You get the picture. Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com by using the code RW at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RW for 15% off. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Listen, yes. You you break that down a little bit more because I think sometimes we overanalyze or we over-spiritualize like what we have the capacity to do. And I think to your point, if we just lean in first to that one thing, and I like you said, do what you can do with what you have and then allow the rest to evolve. I think sometimes we want to see all of it. We got to see the empire vision before we can say, okay, here's what I have in my hands. Here's what I have access to. Here's the resources I have. Let me do something with that now rather than waiting for everything to be perfect and when is everything perfect never (laughs) so i i have tried to teach taylor my daughter those of you who don't know that the journey of life is so well worth it all of the ups all of the downs everything comes together so that you understand that life is not going to always go a b c d e f g now we do those so that we recognize words and we, you know, we put them in sentences, but sometimes it goes from A to Z in two months, you know, but that's still time. No matter how much time goes by, remember time is your friend and what you need to do today, do today. For example, I was with the CBS affiliate. That was my dream job. Before Oprah, it was going to be Yolanda, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) that was my dream job. But again, two weeks later, I had to pivot. And so giving up, failing, you know, you know, getting depressed and all of that, that wasn't it. Hey, I didn't, I had a short window because in 
three more weeks, I had another uh, car note to pay. I had to figure out, <laughs> I had to figure out, hey, where are we going from here? And so teaching was not my first thing to do, but it turned into something that I was automatically ready to do. Mm. Be- again, being the oldest of six kids, and then also my parents, my mom, reading specialist, science specialist, my dad, coach, history specialist. So it's in me. I know how to do that. So I had to do the teaching thing until I developed this love for it. And the love for it came as a result of loving people. Mm. And so after that, you know, after I get used to that, seven years of that, then all of a sudden I got to break out and pivot again. Yeah. To do what I was called to do. Now, teaching is a calling as well. Right. But I was ready at the time for the springboard of the music to go at that time, because from college to media and then being two weeks out, disappointed, then going into teaching and then teaching on such a level where you have that beginning, middle and end and then, you know, redirect and all of those things that make great teachers, I found that I was using that in my presentations with music. So everything you learn on your journey, you use in some capacity. So don't, as the word says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Because a lot of small beginnings lead you to that epic empire that you talked about. Nothing wasted. Nothing wasted, nothing broken. Nothing wasted. We're going to talk more about this when we get back from the break. So as you can imagine, when I was recording this episode, I was blown away when Yolanda Adams said that she remembered me from my college days when I was an intern on the Steve Harvey show. That really had to set in after. What you should know is that I went upstairs and told Reagan what happened. And I literally cried because if you know anything about me, you know, at this point that that was well before I started therapy. And you know that I grew up feeling very insecure about my looks and really leaning into my intelligence, right, became addicted to achievement because that was the way that I could earn love and earn respect. I never really felt beautiful. And oddly enough, when I met Yolanda Adams, she was the closest person I think I had ever seen, like outside of someone related to me, that I felt like I kind of looked like, but I thought she was beautiful. And she was so tall and had these beautiful cheekbones and was so gracious and just so poised, it really left an impression on me. I literally remember, and it wasn't one time, it was a couple times that I met her between the two and a half year journey that I was there. And I didn't have the courage to really speak up or say anything in particular, but I just watched how she moved. And that is so important because just recently 
I spoke at an event in Arizona, the first live event that I've spoken at since COVID. And as the only Black woman to be a keynote speaker during that event, what really stands out to me, besides the the dozens of women, I mean, dozens and dozens of women who tagged me in social media, who came to take a picture, give me a hug, or ask me to sign their book, there was one little girl, young woman, 13 years old. Her name was Lily, and her mom was a vendor at the event. And what I will never forget is how bold Lily was coming up to me after the event to have me sign her copy of Redefine Wealth for Yourself. And the way this young lady took me by my hand and looked me in my eyes and said, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for getting on that stage. Thank you so much for how you showed up today. Because of you, I know that I can do things like this. She said, as a young Black girl, it is so powerful to see a beautiful Black woman like you on stage. And I wanted to tell that story because I doubt in the moment Yolanda Adams really knew what she represented for me when I was 19 years old. And I didn't have the courage or the strength or the boldness, even at that age, to go up to her and take her by the hand and say, this is what seeing you does for me. I don't even think I had the words. And to have an opportunity to show up in all of my imperfection, but with my willingness to serve and be that type of an example for a young African-American woman near my daughter's age meant so much to me. I'm grateful for every person that I met at Powerhouse. However, the one that I will never forget, and I pray that in 20 years, she has an opportunity to tell me the story and tell me how her life has evolved. But I pray that I have an opportunity to tell her how much watching her and seeing her light up and shine and just move through that crowd with such power, even for a 13-year-old. I pray I have an opportunity to tell Lily just how much that meant to me as well. And so this story is just really about acknowledging that full circle moments exist, but truly there's always someone watching who has the power to bless you. But I believe that there's always, you know, you're always in position to bless someone too. And it's just it's just the reason that we show up. It's the reason that we keep going. It's the reason that we keep giving. You never know who's looking. You just never know who's watching. Shout out to Yolanda for being that person for me. And shout out to Lily for letting me know that I've been that person for her. So before the break, we were talking about nothing wasted. And right. that's one of the things that I noticed too with the women that I serve in my community out here. I wasted so many years at this job or I wasted so much time doing this thing. And I'm always like, but wait, was it actually wasted? Because if right. you look back, you can probably connect so many lessons about who you are today to that experience. And that can serve you if you allow it to. It always does. 
There is never anything that you go through that you're not designed to get through. I tell people that all the time. God will never present an issue, a problem, a situation that you don't learn from. We learn from our greatest uh, triumphs and we also learn from our greatest defeats. We we learn what not to do again. So exactly. that we don't we don't keep doing that insanity, uh, you know, hamster wheel kind of thing. And so when something challenges me and I've learned this, I learned this at a young age, when something challenges me, I have two responses. I can give up and cower or I can meet it head on and then triumph over it. Case in point, like I said, my dad was a coach. And so the weekends were running miles, cleaning the yard, or helping my mom inside. Of course, I was a daddy's girl, so I was helping dad outside. And there were lessons that I learned in running the miles. The one thing my dad kept saying is, hey, you don't want to start off too fast. If you start off too fast, you're going to use up all your energy because your energy has to be stored, and you can expend that energy Every single quarter mile, you know, so that Mm -hmm. by the time you get to that second mile, you will have so much energy. You you think you're going to stop, but you want to keep going. And that's how life is. Sometimes you got to wait until that quarter mile that feels so tough and so horrible. But you get through that and you realize I needed to know that struggle of that quarter mile in order to get to this half mile. I mean, oh, there was, I really need to write a book with the track analogies my dad gave Mm -hmm. us because it's so, when I tell you it's so a part of me and my uh, father passed away in 1975. So you know how long ago that was, but it's still, it's like he told me this yesterday and I live by it. It may be a little tough right now, but you are designed to get through everything you go through. Mm. And I still see you running on Instagram during the pandemic. I would see you (laughs) auntie outside, honey, with her hat on and her ponytail, like still. But I love it. It's such a metaphor for Mm -hmm. life. Sometimes when I'm running on the treadmill, it's not just running on the treadmill. It is that visual. You know, I would tell Gerald, we the small gym that we would go to, we'd be on the treadmill next to each other. And he's like, you you looked determined, right? Like you, and I'm like, I'm pushing through negativity. I'm pushing mm-hmm. through the troll that tried me yesterday mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm uh-huh. pushing through the difficult client. Like I see myself literally surpassing yeah. all of that. And I used to be someone they used to hide from running for a long time. <laughs> Even in, I played sports, but I was the person during conditioning and like in the summer or early season, I would run and hide behind the building and watch everybody go by. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would come out like, whoo, okay. And I have made up this story that I don't run. And Mm -hmm. I didn't get free from that until I was probably 34, somewhere around Mm -hmm. there. When I I sat to ask myself, why do you keep saying that? Right. Where does that come from? What are you talking about? You have knees and ankles that work. You definitely could run. You have lungs that work. You can run. And I just went outside the next morning and I started running and I've been more into running since then. Mm -hmm. But it was, I had to like literally shift my mindset. And since I've been 
more committed to to that as a modality for my fit pillar. The things that I have run through, mm-hmm. baby, yes. the things that I have had to run past in my yes. real life. Yes. I see that as such a metaphor. You got to write the book. I you have got- to write the book. And here's the thing too. We so often speak as if we don't understand the power of our words. I can't run. I can't run. I can't run. How many years did you say that until you realized, wait a minute, I'm speaking against something that I know not only is helpful, Mm -hmm. but it's helpful Mm -hmm. to me. So you have to recondition your thought process. And this, this will go for business, relationships, everything. Watch your words because your words shape your world. And if every word that comes out of your mouth is, I can't, I can't, I can't, guess what you're going to have? You won't, you won't, you won't. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, and I have to... uh be cognizant of what I want my eyes to see and my ears to hear. Remember when we were little and you heard the song, be careful, little eyes, what you see, be careful, Mm -hmm. little ears, what you hear. You know, it is so important. And the greatest motivator of yourself should be yourself. Yeah. Now that's interesting that you say that because I know a lot of people listening who probably listen to you and people like you. For that motivation. But mm-hmm. but what you're saying is, is not on me, right? It, it can't be just, oh, I listen to music just like for the motivation. It mm-hmm. has to be something that comes from within as well. Because what I can do is I can give you that spark that gets you ignited, but I'm not going to be there always. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you have to have that thing in you that says, oh, OK, so Yolanda led by example, Patrice led by example. What am I going to do in my time where I don't see them, when I can't, you know, get to them or can't even get to the music? You know, what happens if your phone is dead? Then you have to encourage yourself. And it's really easy. It, it, but it does it does take practice. I am wonderful. I am strong. I am beautiful. I am handsome. I am all that I need to be in the moment. You know, forgetting those things which are behind me because uh, they're gone. Right. <laughs> and I am focusing on the right now because tomorrow God will take care of that. But right now I have the ability. I have the knowledge. I have the information and I'm pushing yeah. So I I love that you say that because, you know, I'm always in awe of the messages that I get from people um, and, and what this work unpacks for them. And it's really sometimes it's stuff that I've never personally experienced. So when they say you help me get past this or out of that, I'm like, well, girl, I don't even know if I would. You know, I'm like, wow, is is that you don't realize how powerful it is. I know that your music and your message is so powerful, but what I've also heard you talk about is your testimony um, and some of the things that you've been through. And namely, I would love for you to speak to it because I keep hearing it in my own audience and from some of my clients. And it's from women that from the outside, from their Instagram profiles, you would never know what Mm -hmm. they were enduring at Mm -hmm. home. 
And mm-hmm. so can you share a little bit of, of your testimony in, in that area as far as like abuse or relationship right. stuff and how you were able to just like how you were able to come out of that and get to the other side of that? I don't know. Well, here's the beauty about um, the past is that it's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I, I use this uh, saying all the time. Again, like I said, my dad said this long, long time ago, you're designed to get through everything you go through. Mm -hmm. And a lot of choices that we make in the moment to, uh, you know, not be alone, to say that you're doing God's will, you know, all of those things, knowing that, hey, this person is not nice right now. So what happens if we get married? You're not worried about that because so you're going to have the the dress, the reception, the honeymoon and all that. And folks don't realize once uh, once you make a commitment, knowing that it's not the right one, you're stuck in that unless you say, you know what? I deserve better. And a lot of times we as human beings, we we have this need to be loved. We have this need to be wanted. We have this need to uh, serve, you know, especially women. And when we think we have someone that we can you know, show all of these aspects of ourselves to, child, we will run over buildings and all kinds of stuff to make it work and try to make it work and try to make it work. Yeah. But if somebody's telling you, hey, I don't want this no more, guess what you can't do? You cannot override their will because that's against all of the laws. Uh, you, you cannot make a person love you when they say, I don't love you anymore. You, you can't do any of that. So then you have to, and here's one of the things, you have to swallow that pride that got you there in the first place. <laughs> Yolanda. <laughs> swallow it and say, you know what? I did my best. I gave my all. And that's all I can do. Yeah. And so for those of you who find yourself in these situations, you know, I am not an advocate for telling you what to do in your life, but I can suggest that you take a diary or a journal and you start writing the things that you know are not a part of what you thought. Because a lot of times, you know, oh, I want a, a, a six, seven, uh, chocolate skin, blah, 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 on and on and on, 18 figure salary, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we do. Yeah. And then, and then what we do is we look at the list and say, well, he's two of the 10. So let me just deal with that. It's like, but didn't you just say what you wanted? It's like, mm. Yeah. And it's the same thing with business, you know, business as well, because as entrepreneurs, we know that there's there's a, a, a harvest time, there's a, a giving time, there's a receiving time, and then there's that uh, interim time when your seed has to grow into something that is, you know, that can blossom or you find out, oh, that's the wrong soil and you keep doing the right things until the right thing comes to you. Oh, my gosh. So it's the same thing. Write down everything that you said you wanted and see if you in any way settle. Do you know, I have someone in one of my programs who just said this week, she said, I've always been afraid to journal because I'm, I know that I'm going to realize that I've settled Mm -hmm. because I give prompts. 
like in the programs about things to think about and things to reflect yeah. on. And she said, the reason I've avoided journaling is because I'm afraid that I'm going to like, it's going to be real when I write it on the paper that I've settled. In, in it particular. is real. Mm-hmm. It is real. But here's the thing that I love about journaling. I've been journaling since I was a kid. You are now faced with some decisions. And those decisions are, okay, uh, we see what's happening. Let's change it. Or if it's good, keep going in the direction uh, that you're going in until you get to the next level or dimension, however you uh, describe it. But you cannot overcome anything you don't face. Mm-hmm. You got to face it. You got to face it. And once you face it, then you can triumph over it. But we're so scared that we will meet ourselves on that paper. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh my gosh. Yes, that's you. Yeah, that's you. You were a little selfish uh, two years ago. Yeah, that's you. You were a little clingy five years ago. Oh yeah, that's you too. <laughs> You're a little bossy. <laughs> and I don't mean bossy in the, you know, boss lady mm-hmm. way. I mean like, uh, yeah. Uh, and so you have to face yourself so that you can cleanse your own self. What if what you face doesn't feel acceptable in the eyes of your church or your family or your friends? Cause I think sometimes we recognize what we have to do. It's mm-hmm. the conversation that we have to have with others in the wake mm-hmm. of whatever decision we might wake that keeps people stuck. Yeah. Well, here's the one thing you can do. And you know this, rehearse, 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 and practice, practice, practice. And I tell people, it's not practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So talk to yourself first, because the first person you have to reckon with is you. Once you've reckoned with you and you're okay with you, you can have those conversations with anyone because you know how to explain, you know how to deliver, you know how to say it in a way that if it offends somebody, you know that it's like, hey, I don't mean to offend you, but this is what I found out in researching me Mm. that I didn't live up to my full potential or that, you know, I made some decisions based on how other folks felt as opposed to what would do my heart and my soul well, you know, because at the end of the day, once again, it's you in that mirror. Mm. That's it. I do believe in scripting difficult yes. conversations. Mm-hmm. I love a script, yes. honey. If I if I encounter something more than twice, it's going to get a script. <laughs> like, so that I know exactly how I need to show up. It's not really based on what the other person says. It's based on what mm-hmm. I feel I need to communicate, right? Yes. So let me practice and let me write this out so that I'm clear that these are the points I need to hit. It doesn't have to be verbatim, but Here's what's clearly getting lost in translation here. Uh So let me practice. And I've been teaching Reagan that. Reagan has to have a difficult conversation last week. And so we going through the grocery store and she's just like, okay, what if I say it like this? Uh She's practicing different tones and all this stuff. Um, But I found even for her who she tends to overthink 
quite a bit, it's mm-hmm. easier if she has something that she can pull out and like connect with and go. We okay. all need we all need a source of reference. Mm-hmm. And so that is why it's so important. That's why I said that journaling is so important because there are ways that you can say a sent or you can say something. And as you said before, Reagan's tone was different. Mm-hmm. The emphasis on a certain word can be, you know, instead of, you know, emphasizing you, you know, <laughs> you can say you, but me. You know, mm-hmm. th- all of those things make, oh, they, they make us communicate uh, more intellectually, more intelligently so that we are not, because our purpose for co- uh, communicating our feelings is not to hurt anyone. It is to really to convey a message of, hey, I embrace you, or hey, there has to be a boundary that has to be set, or, you know, I appreciate you, all of those things. So don't be afraid of scripts. Don't be afraid of journaling. Don't be afraid of rehearsing and practicing what you want to say. Because, I mean, as teachers, you know, you you know, uh, Pat, that we have to have those lesson plans. And I thank God for the way that uh, lesson plans were designed because it teaches you how to effectively communicate with each student according to their learning uh, style. And so if if we stop talking to people according to their learning style and their listening style, uh, when they're 18, 19, we've missed the whole point of it, you know? Mm. So So as a teacher at heart, always, I mean, you teach so many (laughs) of us You've taught so many of us through your through your music in particular. What is the number one lesson you want to leave your audience with when it's all said and done? Oh, when it's all said and done, you are responsible for your own happiness and joy. Really? You are, right. Because it's all in you. None of us gets to this earth without everything in us when we're born. You know why why I said really? I find that fascinating because growing up in the church community, I think that we over-spiritualize sometimes. A lot of stuff. What we are actually responsible for. So a lot of us think, no, I have nothing to do but sit or stand or lay here and wait for Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> wait for God. And there's there's a lack of personal responsibility in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And you're saying your music is actually, the lesson is you're responsible. Yes, you're responsible for your happiness, your joy. Now, and, and here's the thing. If we follow, and those of us who are Christian, if we follow the teachings of Jesus, Jesus was always occupied. He was always doing something. You know, 90% of his ministry was outside. It wasn't inside the church. It wasn't inside the synagogue. It wasn't inside the temple. Most of it was outside. The reason is he wanted to get to regular, normal people to let them all know. What is the good news? Good news to poor people is you don't have to be poor anymore. Good news to hungry people is you don't have to be hungry anymore. Good news to lonely people is you don't have to be alone anymore. And so those were the concepts of Jesus. And so if we get Bibles and read in the red what was said, 
from Jesus, it's like, oh, so it's my responsibility. If I want to be blessed, I have to do such and such and such. The Beatitudes of, you know, uh, blessed are you when, you know, people uh, revile you, persecute you, you know, and we can turn that into 21st century vernacular. Blessed are you when the trolls come for you and don't even (laughs) understand your life, you know? (laughs) Right. you know, I say trolls with no goals, you know, <laughs> it's like, hey, you ain't got nothing to do, but uh, try to figure out what my life is like. My life is good. So right. thank you very much. <laughs> but those are, and I look at that and I, I, and I, let's go to Genesis, Genesis one. How did God create? And God said, let there be life. And God said, let there be trees. And God said, so whatever we say, we can have. As long as it is in line with where we're supposed to go. Yeah, we have a huge responsibility because the one thing God is not going to do, and folks are like, God can't, God can do anything but so and so. No, no, no. God's not going to do what you are responsible to do, as Patrice said. Oh. Well, you heard it from <laughs> Auntie Londa. Uh, <laughs> okay, before I let you go. I don't really want to let you go. But before I let you go, with respect for your time, I'm going to ask you what we call redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. Excellent. And so you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. How do you define success? Success is being, doing, and having the things that bring me joy. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Ooh, three words or less. Wealth is family, happiness, and sustainability. Love it. Okay, what's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? Oh my gosh, there's so many. One called Heaven in Your Heart and in Your Pocket Too. Really? Oh, I have not heard of that. Yes, Dr. Ed Montgomery. Heaven in Your Heart and in Your Pocket Too. No. Okay. And this one, you're going to fill in the blank. So you're going to say, my name is, Mm -hmm. and then you go to me, the truth about wealth is. Okay. My name is Yolanda. And to me, the truth about wealth is knowledge. Because if you have knowledge, you can Because if you have knowledge, not only do you have power, you have power to gain wealth over and over and over and over again. I love it. Thank you so much. Now, this is really my my last one. I have to because you're Yolanda you Adams. You're Yolanda <laughs> Adams. So I can't ask this of every guest, but what is your favorite Yolanda Adams song? Oh my gosh. Today, <laughs> because you know, hey, it's when you write, it's like, you know, trying to pick your favorite child. Um, <laughs> Wow, but today, what would be the one today? Come on now, what what would be the one today? We don't have a lot of time. Oh, I am just a prayer away. Call my name with your heart, and I'll hear every word you say. When you cry at night, I wipe your tears away. Just pray, my love. I'll be there right away. Just a prayer away. I'm about to die. 
it was just me and you. Listen, audience, I'm so happy for y'all, but right now it's just the two of us, and I feel like I just was serenaded too. Okay. Um. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. So one of my favorite duets with you, I have to tell you, it was Best for Last with uh, Donna Lawrence. Yes. I used to play that thing. You talk about running. I used to listen to that while I would run over and over and over again. And you actually got Gerald and I through a, a, a rough patch there. That song did yeah. it for us. And I, I just, I'm glad I get to tell you that. And I appreciate you so much. Can I tell you that that song, when Donald gave me that song, I was going through a huge transition as well. And I always say that God never, ever allows you to go through anything you go through without some sort of a little miracle here or a little inspiration there. And when that song happened, I was like, oh, my God, you saved the best for last. You saved the best for last. And that became a part of my, you know, my daily mantra, you know. So it was like the best for last. The best is here. The best for last. The best is here. And I kept saying it. And then once I got through it, I could see God's trail in all of it. So for those of you out there who are, listening and you think, oh my gosh, this is over. Oh my gosh. If the pandemic and the quarantine didn't teach us anything, it should have taught us how strong we really are. And -hmm. if you're strong enough to make it through all of that and you're still here, you got a lot to do. So I can't wait to see what you're going to (laughs) do. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Love you so much. I love you. Thank you for having me again. Today's Ask Patrice Anything comes from Teresa in Trinidad. Hi, Patrice. As we redefine wealth for ourselves, we redefine how we choose to show up in the world. And that changes how we behave. We can't control how people will respond to these changes, but... In our close relationships, we need to be sensitive to how our new outlook on life affects those we love. Can you offer some advice on how to introduce our loved ones to our new selves? Oh, Teresa, this is a really great question. I definitely understand this so much. I want to caution you, though. I want to caution you against the idea that you have to be sensitive to how your loved ones interpret your evolution. Because I believe the very reason that many of us don't truly do the things that we know to do now once we've been exposed to new things is because we're afraid of how other people will perceive that. And so while, yes, We want our loved ones to be aware of the change. We also have to be prepared for the fact that they may not be ready to embrace the change. And if they're not, that doesn't mean that you don't continue to change. It doesn't mean that you don't continue to evolve. One of the things that I've said for many years now is that sometimes when we're 
in the middle of an evolution, we want to try to force that change on the people that we love, and we want them to automatically accept this new version of ourselves. And the truth is, they may need time to really embrace it, right? And they also deserve the dignity of their own process. So we can't start to change and then think that we're going to force them to come along on the ride. The best thing that we can do is continue to be an example and stand in our truth and truly believe that what we're doing is for our best. And whether we receive their validation or their affirmation or not, we're going to continue. And that if this is something, this journey is something that we also desire for them, it's not for us to try to force it on them. It's for us to be the example and, you know, allow them to go, what are you doing? And how can I get some of that? And how can I come along? So kind of twofold there with the answer, but just be careful that you're not searching or seeking the validation of your loved one, right? If you are doing what feels like the best possible thing for you in this season, it's not to nag them and try to get them to be you, but you do still have to own that you're on the path that was carved out for you and give them an opportunity to embrace it in their own time or not. Either way, it's okay. Well, that's it for us this week here on the Redefining Wealth podcast. Listen, you can join us in our free Facebook community. Come on over and meet Purpose Chasers from all over the world. You never know who you can connect with and the support is absolutely amazing. And let's talk about this episode and dig a little deeper and see what we find together. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.